from MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Today on the program, we welcome Matt Hinderleiter from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. With Mississippi being home to many wonderful creatures, big and small, today we'll take a moment to highlight two that are uniquely Mississippi, the black pine snake and the gopher tortoise. We'll talk about where they're found and how you can help protect their habitats for years to come. Join the conversation today with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. This is Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Our guest today is Matt Hinderleiter from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. With Mississippi being home to many wonderful creatures, big and small, today we'll take a moment to highlight two that are uniquely Mississippi, the black pine snake and the gopher tortoise. We'll talk about where they're found and how you can help protect their habitats for years to come. To join our conversation this morning, just make a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464, or you can email the show. It's animals at mpbonline.org. And I always like to remind you that uh, Creature Comforts does air twice each week, uh, the original broadcast on Thursday. If you missed part of that show, you can always listen to the repeat broadcast Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so, uh, Libby, we were we were mentioning earlier uh, before we came on the air that you uh, you survived going on Marshall's show. Uh, so, I hope you enjoyed uh, being on. Now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey. That's on MPB Think Radio yes, every definitely. Monday at, uh, at at ten. And there's a podcast if people missed it. Okay. They can go online. Uh, Michelle was just telling me about that. We talked about Fanny Cook, of course. Right. And the uh, the press tour for that marches on, I guess? Yes. Uh, let's see. This Saturday, we'll be at Science Makers Friday at the Natural Science Museum. We'll be at the League of Women Voters meeting at the Pearl Library Saturday morning. And then next Wednesday, we'll be at Lorelei Books in Vicksburg at 5.30, I believe. 5 right. o'clock, 5.30, right, right after work kind of a thing. So, And that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, any events coming up at the museum that you want to highlight? Yes. Oh, one thing I have to mention is getting outdoors anywhere you can right now is interesting. You know, the spring birds are starting to appear, and uh, the spring wildflowers are starting to appear. So it's really anywhere you can walk. And the nature trails in LaFleur's Bluff and behind the museum are particularly beautiful now. And uh, I spent some time out there this week, and everything's looking great. So I would encourage you to get outside somewhere, and that's a good place to go if you don't have another place to go. Mm-hmm. And then looking ahead a little bit, May the 12th, a workshop that 
I'm going to try to attend that Robin Whitfield, the artist, is doing. This is a combination of science and art that Robin does so well. And really, uh, a lot of our, of our artists in Mississippi here like to emphasize natural subjects and making art outdoors is a particular interest to Robin. She does a lot of work you know, outside. Well, she also uses things that she finds outside to make her pictures with, which mm-hmm. is fun. Yeah. So she like mud and uh, leaves and all kinds of cool things that she finds. Mushrooms. So that's going to be May the 12th. But we're talking about a little early because you really need to sign up for it. So May the 12th, that's a Saturday, and it would be from 10 to 2 that day. Okay. And Robin does these around the state. So people that if it's not convenient to come to Jackson to the museum, She'll do them in other places. And if you request, I think she might do them special places if you get a group of people together. All right. So uh, today on Creature Comforts, we're going to visit with uh, Matt Hinterleiter from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service talking about gopher tortoise and black pine snakes in Mississippi. Also, Dr. Major is here ready to take some pet questions. And we always like to hear your brushes with wildlife, what you've been seeing uh, when you've been out and about in Mississippi. The number to call and the phone lines are open, by the way, is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show. It's animals at mpbonline.org. So, Matt, thanks for joining us again. Thank you for having me. Give us a little idea, if you would, about your background. Uh, well, I'm actually originally from New Jersey. I uh, got my uh, undergrad work at Clemson and worked up in uh, New Hampshire for a while studying turtles and came down to Mississippi oh, about 14 years ago and started working with gopher tortoises down on Camp Shelby. And uh, in 2011, I moved over to the Fish and Wildlife Service and continued to work with gopher tortoises. So turtles have been involved in my life for quite a while. Um, had a real passion for just going out and playing in the woods growing up and just flipping over rocks and seeing what I could find. So it's it's something that started when I was very young, and luckily I've been able to continue with that into my uh, professional life. So. Um, my brother lives in New York City, and he I, I hate to do this at your expense, but one of my favorite jokes he tells it has to do with New Jersey, and it is, why are people in New York depressed? And the answer is, because the light at the end of the tunnel is New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I have actually heard that before uh, many times. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Being from Jersey, you got to have a thick skin. Exactly. So otherwise, uh, you're not going to make it. Um, so tell us, what is the difference between the gopher tortoise and other uh, turtles or tortoises in Mississippi? Well, the gopher tortoise is a large uh, terrestrial turtle, so obviously not going to be found in your rivers and streams and ponds. Uh, it's got, it's about, they get to be about dinner plate size. So it's a larger turtle, unlike the, uh, larger than the box turtle, which is the other turtle species you're going to find out just walking through the woods. They're typically found um, in the Pine Belt, so around the Hattiesburg area and south of there. And they, they live in the upland pine forests, specifically longleaf pine. And they, they, um, the main thing that gopher tortoises are known for and actually named for are the large burrows that they create. They've got these huge claws on their front limbs, and they can dig burrows uh, that they use for refuge um, from fire, from cold, from predators, from heat. And so that's the, really the thing that they're known for, are these massive burrows that they create using these uh, 
large claws that they have. And I think I remember from an earlier visit when you were with us, uh, the, those are useful because when they sort of pack up and move, uh, other creatures uh, find use for those uh, burrows. Absolutely. They've, they've done studies where they've tried to document how many other species use tortoise burrows. And tortoises are found from Louisiana over to South Carolina. So there's lots of different species that can be found. And the last tally, I think, is over 360 different species have been found utilizing tortoise burrows. So lots of insects and spiders and um, uh, amphibians. And a lot of times you'll find them cohabitating. We've seen tortoises in the same burrow with a rattlesnake. So Hmm. it's not always when the tortoise leaves that the other animals move in. They'll... They'll have their own little ecosystem within the burrow. That that's interesting. That uh, I guess the the idea is I'm I'm kind enough to let you into my house. So please uh, just leave me alone, and we'll both go about our <laughs> yep. business. As, as long as they don't bother each other, there. Yeah, if it's a big gopher tortoise, they're not prey size. So I guess a rattlesnake's not interesting yeah, not, from that neither angle. Neither is a threat to the other. And yeah. you know when the snake goes in first, and then the tortoise goes in, it might block the snake from getting out. But other than that, they seem to. Get I guess they okay. work that out. Yeah, huh? <laughs> somehow. <laughs> um, is the is the gopher tortoise endangered? Uh, the gopher tortoise is state endangered. It's uh, federally threatened, and uh, the difference is that for the Fish and Wildlife Service, the, which is the federal agency I work for, uh, an endangered species is um, is likely to become extinct in the foreseeable future, and then a threatened species is likely to p- become up to that endangered status. So it, it is threatened right now. Uh, we look at it every five years. We do a status review just to see how it's doing. And um, so it's not, it's state endangered by the state of Mississippi, but it's federally threatened. So it's a little confusing, but uh, it does have two different designations. And it's state endangered, I think, because our populations here in the state are, are not in as good a shape as some in other, other states. states. Correct, right. yeah. 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 And uh, I know a lot of times it's it's sort of loss of habitat that causes this. Is that is that the case with the with the gopher tortoise as well? That seems to be the primary um, the reason we've been looking at threats and analyzing them for decades now. And uh, this whole area down in South Mississippi used to be all longleaf pine. Uh, most of that was cut down in the 20s and 30s, and some of it remains, and some of it has been restored. And there's been a lot of great work trying to restore the native ecosystem, but Based on the loss of all that habitat, um, we've had a, um, a decline in the tortoise populations as well. And so what, uh, what sorts of things can be done uh, to help the, the, the tortoise? Again, would it be projects to, uh, to maybe reclaim some of the habitat, to, to put, uh, put it back into, into natural surroundings? That's the biggest thing, is to try to find large tracts of land that can be restored and maintained. And with, especially with the longleaf pine ecosystem, the main thing that uh, is the main tool used to manage that is fire. And um, it always has been. This has been a very we get, there's a lot of lightning strikes that have always happened in Mississippi. So fire was always the way that the longleaf pine ecosystem was managed naturally. So as much as we can get fire back into the system, that'll really promote uh, that herbaceous ground cover. These tortoises are herbivores, so they're mainly eating the grasses and the berries and the vegetation on the ground. So as much as we can open up those forests, get light on the ground, get fire back in there, that's really what's going to do, what's going to turn the tortoise around. 
We need to take uh, the first break this hour. You are listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're here today with Matt Hinderleiter from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. We're going to be talking about the gopher tortoise and the black pine snake uh, of Mississippi. Dr. Major's here, ready to take some pet questions. And we always like to hear what you're seeing when you get out and about in the great state of Mississippi. Give us a call. The phone lines are open. It's one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Our guest today is Matt Hinderleiter with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Today we're going to be talking about the gopher tortoise and the black pine snake, two animals unique to Mississippi. So if you'd like to join our conversation, we've got some open phone lines. Give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can email the show. It's animals at mpbonline.org. We do have a caller on the line, so let's uh, say good morning to Mikey from Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. I've got a, a report on uh, gopher tortoises in Mobile. Um, uh, I uh, was, And I also a question, if I, so please let me ask that after I give the report. Um Gopher tortoises, I, I, as y'all know, Miss Lib, um, I have um, reported seeing that more than once and yes. seeing that yes. another time with my brother. But my brother, dog on him as usual, <laughs> is the only person who's actually seen two at one time. Ah. And this was after the last um, uh, hurricane season. Um, we had a... Um, I have the, the the property kind of gets uh, can get deep when it's a really serious hurricane, uh, but this was a, a relatively mild, um, twelve to eighteen inch, and the the second one that he saw, in fact, he rescued this turtle, um, having seen another, and and thanks to you all, I had the knowledge to tell him the first couple of times that we saw them, um, he could recognize it. The differences in it, the um, uh, between it and the box turtle, and he saw this one was upside down on its back, bless its heart, on about the third step up, leading up to a deck. Hmm. And so, as I say, he rescued it. Now, my question is, I suspect that what had happened since this was a 12 to 18 inch um, rising of the river. My question is, do they drown? Uh, tortoises actually float. Um, they don't like to swim. They don't have webbed feet. But uh, as far as I know, I mean, if they were in a, a rough river, a, a swift current, they might drown. But uh, typically, they've been known to cross rivers. Uh, so we've ha- we get calls every once in a while that people think they're doing the right thing, and they put a tortoise back in a pond where they think it is going to be happy. And uh, the tortoise isn't very happy about it. Oh, but oh please, but- let me explain. Okay. He, he, he did not put him back in a pond. This was after the flood had resided, and he happened. To, he went over there to check on the property for us, and saw that the tortoise. It was well well dried out by that time, but the tortoise couldn't re uh, uh, flip itself over. Okay, the uh, the. Ones that I've seen that um, typically can write themselves, it might take a little while, as long as they can get purchase on something with one of their front limbs. 
Uh, usually it's a, a, a sapling or a tree or something that they can push themselves back over. Although I have found them deceased out in the wild upside down where they weren't able to f- possibly flip Ooh, themselves So on over. that deck step, so, he may not, he might could have not yeah, gotten he, purchase anywhere. If he yeah. get up to himself to flip over, you, yeah. he might have uh, saved his life. So well good. done. All right. Thanks, Mikey. Always good to hear from you. We've got some open phone lines on Creature Comforts if you'd like to call in this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Matt, Mikey mentioned that she saw two of them. Are these uh, gopher tortoises generally solitary animals, or do they live in groups? What's the story there? They actually have a pretty complex social structure. The... Um they don't usually hang out together, but they all know each other in a, what we call a colony. And it's going to be multiple males and females interacting. Um, it's usually the females that stay put at their burrows, and then the males go visit them to uh, go on dates, I guess. You would <laughs> the G-rated version. Um, so, uh, But the, it is a very complex system. There's a hierarchy. There seems to be... Um, there's combat between the males, even between the females. Uh, so it's in a in an area where the habitat is good. Hopefully, you'll find a dozen or upwards of fifty or a hundred tortoises utilizing the same landscape, and they all they all know each other and have different interactions with the, with each other. Would they be family? Are those genetically related? They could be. Um, we don't know a lot about dispersal versus to get to the time when they become reproductively mature because that's 15 to 20 years later that they mm. actually can lay, the females can lay eggs. It's, so it's really hard to study a, a colony from start to finish because they, they, um, they have such a slow time to when they become mature. And they could even outlive us, right? Oh, yeah. We don't even know. We, we think, we know that they live to be at least 50 to 60 years old. We assume 80 it could be wow. 100. We don't We don't know. Hmm. It's so hard to tell how old they are when you find them. Uh, recently, we talked about birds and frogs, and, you know, a lot of people know that uh, they there's a lot of vocalization. You know, if you go out uh, this time of year, you'll you'll hear both uh, singing and calling to each other. What about uh, the, the gopher tortoise? Do, how do they communicate to each other? Well, it's um, with the males. When they're ready to go on a date with a female, they'll come up to the burrow and they'll bob their head. And they'll do it vigorously sometimes for quite a while. It's, we've, we've caught it on video, and it's, it's something really interesting to see. And so the male's bobbing their head. The female comes out and sees whether she likes him. And, but uh, a lot of their they don't really have vocalizations that I've heard other than some hissing uh, that they'll do if you pick them up sometimes, which you know people aren't allowed to do, but when we would radio track them, we would pick them up. and um, Or if you come at their burrow and they're at the, the front of their burrow, they might retra- pull back and hiss a little bit. And that sounds almost like kind of a, a defensive or a, a trying maybe to scare away potential predators. Exactly, sort of yeah. Uh, we got another caller on the line. Let's uh, welcome David from Horn Lake into our conversation this morning. Go ahead, David. You're on the air. Good morning. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, I've got a comment that was indirectly um, sent to me. Who cares about a turtle? So if you can maybe address maybe uh, how protecting this species and its environment, 
how it will benefit other species. So maybe we can tie how it's all connected where it's more than just one species. That's a very good question, and it's one I get a lot, especially when I tell people about um, that we've listed the black pine snake. Uh, I get this, a similar question, and well, well, who really cares about a snake? There's tons of them out there. Um, but what we are thinking about here is the entire ecosystem as a whole. These are native animals, and they really deserve to be here as much as as much as any other native animal that that might be a little what we think is more useful, uh, something we hunt or fish or farm. But um, for the turtle, especially the gopher tortoise, it is what we call a keystone species. It, it has impacts well beyond its own species. In fact, what I spoke of earlier, where the burrows are home to well over 300 other species, that some of which have only ever been documented in gopher tortoise burrows. So we know that they're very important. Uh, indigo snakes aren't in Mississippi anymore, but in the eastern part of the range, the gopher tortoise burrow is incredibly important to the indigo snake, which is another listed species. So to re if the tortoises keep declining, it'll have ripple effects. And that's what we see with pretty much any species we look at is intrinsically we just we know that all of these animals really being part of the native ecosystem deserve to be here. But if we start taking pieces out of that, the, the food web, we don't know at what point it might collapse and things might get out of hand. Uh, the one thing I'd bring up to, to folks, especially about snakes is the pine snakes eat uh, mice and rats prim primarily. Now, if all of this, all of the snakes started disappearing that ate rodents, you might have issues where you get overabundance of rodents. You might ha have increases in disease because of that. You never know what it might happen. So we, th we take every part of that food web seriously that it deserves protection. All right, David, thanks for that call. Good question. Uh, we've got another caller on the line. Let's move along to Roger in Florence. Good morning, Roger. Go ahead. Good morning. Thanks again for what you do. I'm just delighted to hear about turtles. Uh, I never saw a gopher turtle in my childhood up in uh, Tibaha County, but we did have other, mm -hmm. did have box turtles of various uh, uh, kinds, and I didn't ever know uh, what they were uh, other than I was fascinated by them, and I noticed something that fits with a comment that you made just not too long ago about the hissing. In mm -hmm. my opinion, the hissing may not be uh, voluntary. It may be because I've only seen it as they retract into their shell. And mm -hmm. I think it compresses their lungs, and they have to hiss. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's, that's, that's the hissing experience I've had uh, as, a, as a youngster. I think and that's I an excellent... What, what good that comment is, but thanks again <laughs> yeah. for what you do. No, that's a great comment, and that's when I've seen it, too, is when they, when they pull their head in really quickly, it makes that hissing noise, so it might have a the added impact that it might scare off a predator, but it might not be something they can really control. All right. Got another call to get to, and it's William in Starkville. Go ahead, William. Uh, good morning. Uh, I had a couple of comments. One, uh, I never knew why gopher turtles, uh, tortoises got their name, and I just wondered, you, you didn't mention, and lots of young people that don't know gophers might be uh, interested in the possibility that it's the gophers dig holes, and this is the reason the gopher tortoise got its name. 
but the main reason for for my calling was uh, uh, I live just on the just off the Mississippi State University campus on the east side, and I've lived here for 30 years. And I remember the first 10 years I was here, I used to see uh, box turtles that had uh, Roman numerals on their uh, on their underplate mm-hmm. on their their bottom. Uh, and I just wondered if anybody knows what that was. And one other comment, um, that I had uh, used to find, I didn't even know of them, but somebody, that one of the biologists uh, on campus used to come out to this place on uh, two miles off the campus looking for, for duck, duck-voiced frogs. And, and I don't, I've never heard them in recent years, I suddenly realized. But anyway, there's three comments that uh, I'll leave with you and listen. All right. Thank you. Thanks, William, for your call. Um, so with the, I'm not sure if the um, the way that the box turtles were marked, if that was carved into the shells, which is unfortunate because it might hurt the animals, or if they were painted on. I've seen research projects done uh, where animals are marked with um, some sort of paint that will wear off over time just so that folks can put... Uh, game cameras out and be able to identify the animals that they're looking at. Uh, I have heard of other people that have carved into the bottoms of box turtles. They might carve the year. Unfortunately, this is not something that you should do, obviously, to any animal to uh, to hurt it that way. But I have heard of that. That um, I'm not sure why different numbers. Uh, I've seen dates carved into box turtles, and we think I saw one not that long ago that had 1929 carved into the bottom of the shell. So hmm. if that was accurate and it was already an adult, that animal was probably well over 100 years old. Wow. But if it, if it was painted um, Roman numerals, it's probably somebody's, somebody's study. Somebody's research that yeah. they're doing, hopefully, yeah. through the university. Plenty of grad students have worked on them. Mm-hmm. And I'll throw some in from the, uh, from the peanut gallery. Um, I don't know if you could race gopher tortoises, but sometimes they paint the uh, numbers on there because they're racing, kids are racing uh, turtles. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, there was actually an episode of Gilligan's Island where they had turtle racing, and there was a big thing because the castaways kept switching the numbers on the various turtles to make sure that the fast one would win. I can't remember exact details of, of that episode, but that's always uh, Always, I don't know why, but that always goes to mind of, of, I guess, many years of watching that show in childhood. But anyway, uh, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we will talk a little bit about the black pine snake. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. If you'd like to join our conversation, the number's 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be back with more after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with Matt Hinderleiter from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. We're going to be talking throughout the hour about the gopher tortoise and the black pine snake. So you can join our conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464. You can always also email the show at animals at mpbonline.org. 
got some phone calls to get to, but Matt, let's talk a little bit first about um, the other the animal we're going to talk about today, and that's the black pine snake. How does it differ from other snakes we'd find in Mississippi? Uh, well, at last count, I believe there's 40 to 50 snake species in Mississippi that can be found here. So there's quite a few to choose from. Uh, the black pine snake is all black. It lives in a terrestrial on land, so there's a lot of uh, snakes, obviously, that live pr- primarily in water. Uh, but the black pine snake is longer than most solid black snakes you might find. The adults can actually be up to six feet long. It's a large-bodied snake, uh, not, one, not one of the faster snakes out there, and it's got a pointed snout because it actually does quite a bit of digging. It might find a mole burrow and modify it and actually use that burrow. So uh, really interesting animals. Uh, so if you see a really large black snake um, upwards of over four feet long and you're in south Mississippi, you, that might be a black pine snake. Okay. Um, and so, again, when we talk about endangered or th- and or threatened, uh, where does the, the pine snake fit in? The pine snake is the same as the tortoise. It is state endangered and federally threatened. So, But the tortoise was listed in 1987, so it's been 30 years. The black pine snake was just listed in 2015. So, uh, But also as threatened species, uh, same federal protections as the tortoise. And let's talk a little bit about that. So legally, when the animal is on either one of those lists, what what sort of protections are offered? Uh, I'm not sure exactly all the state protections that are offered. I know, obviously, you can't harm the animals. Uh, one of the biggest differences when something is federally protected, um, it is not only unlawful to harm them, but... Um, the habitat that the species needs also is protected. So we have to identify what those species, what the habitat needs are, and then try to work with folks to uh, to protect those as much as possible. Um, anytime folks need to work in an area with the where these animals might be found, we will work with that landowner or that entity to uh, to try to mitigate for any negative impacts they might have on the habitat where these animals could be found. Okay. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. We'll start again. Um, William has called in again from Starkville with an update. William, go ahead. Yes, I got a phone call a moment ago, but let me let me also ask, comment if the gopher uh, tortoise gets its name because it digs. But anyway, I got a phone call saying that it was that was a somebody that had been associated with the university, and it's uh, twenty five, if, uh, if not thirty years ago, that and he he was carving dates. And he carved them into the belly and uh, of the uh, bottom of the of the tortoise uh, for some some research p- purpose, and it probably was trying to track the ages of, of these uh, animals. And I just happened to have run across. I remember one. I found the the uh, the, uh, the the shell after the turtle had been uh, caught and, and uh, frozen to death, and. And uh, the body was the, the flesh was gone. It was only a shell, and, and on the bottom of the shell. And I didn't think to try and report it, but uh, uh, anyway, it it was part of a of a uh, study that in, intended study. Uh, and I don't know any more than that. I'm going to go to the university and see if I can find out uh, more. Thank you so much. Okay. Oh, good. I'm glad you looked into that. We were having conversations here mm-hmm. because I thought I'd remembered somebody in the past that had worked with, with um, box turtles. And I guess when we keep saying the word gopher, maybe for Mississippi people, we need to explain that there is a mammal that mm-hmm. is a gopher. I think they're only very occasionally 
found in northern Mississippi, right? right? We yeah. don't it's not a common mammal at all in the state, but they're big tunnel diggers and so whoever early pioneers I guess that named a gopher tortoise a gopher tortoise they were comparing them to those mammals that dug the mm-hmm. yeah little pocket birds. gophers yeah. are found in most of the tortoises range but really not in Mississippi but um yeah similar naming I guess yeah I think we've got a couple of gophers in the museum collection that were found right up in the northern part of the mm-hmm. state well, to me, that also sounds better than because they probably might have called them than the mole tortoise or the vole mole. tortoise, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gopher tortoise, I think, sounds better yeah. though, a little bit. <laughs> Size wise, I think it's probably more accurate. Uh, let's continue on with phone lines. Jeannie's on the line. Good morning. Go ahead. Hi, it's Jeannie Jones. Hey, Hi, Jeannie. I'm glad you called. You know about the box turtle research. <laughs> I don't. I don't know anything about the research, but I wish they'd marked them in a little bit different way. They would now, though. <laughs> yeah. I want to, first of all, commend y'all on the jobs you've done in conservation of, of these species of which you speak this morning. Uh, I think we wouldn't have uh, these species around if it weren't for professionals like y'all. So thank you, and thank you for talking about them. Absolutely. I, I did want to bring it around to a hook and bullet conversation. Uh, what we've found in the past is the best gopher tortoise habitat quality. Uh, Matt, we also have good quail uh, hunting, and we also have good rabbit populations. And and then y'all already know this, but we have a lot of the grassland birds that we all like to see and hear. And so your comment was so prudent and so correct about these species really being keystone species and restoration of their ecosystems really support so many species, including the game species that many people like to hunt. So that was just my thinking. That's a great point. Yeah. If you do something good for gopher tortoise, turkey and quail will benefit. Oh, and the deer too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, some of the research on turkey nesting habitat, it was the second year to third year burn in the upland pine forest where the turkey hens really sought those areas in which to nest. And so really good nesting habitat for turkey and, and just, you know, the system is so interconnected, which is why we love working with it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Well, once again, thank you so much. Thank All you, right. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Jeannie, for the call. That was Jeannie, Dr. Jeannie Jones okay. from the Wildlife Department at Mississippi State. All right. Very good. Uh, we continue on. Next, we've got uh, Kathleen from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. Go ahead. Well, good morning, but this is an odd story. <laughs> I was waking around the bottom of my rabbit cage trying to clean up and make it ready for spring, and a little snake came at me. It was about two and a half feet long, black, red stripe down the side, and yellow markings kind of on his face a little, or her face. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have time to ID it, so I chopped it <laughs> to protect me. Well, the odd thing about it is the front half kept coming at me. I didn't, I like to have a heart attack. It even stood up on its stubble, whatever it had left. I said, Lord knows. I said, this thing's taking revenge out on me. (laughs) I don't know what it was, what kind of snake, but it's definitely gone now. All right. All right, Kathleen, thanks for the call. Um, 
I would say, though, from previous conversations we've had with our snake experts, snakes are almost as afraid of us as we are of them. Is that true? Yes, I've found almost always they are. Uh, but if, and, if if she was blocking the way out, right, that and, snake knew he needed to get out of there. He didn't want her to corner him in wherever he was. And one... So. Um, one kind of misconception about snakes is that they're aggressive. Um, I've never seen a snake that's aggressive. They will definitely be defensive, and that's the big difference. If you are harassing it, of course, it's going to strike back and try to bite you, as would any wild animal. Um, or if you happen to just be in the way of the way it wants to go, it might look like it's coming at you, but it really has no reason to attack because you're way too big to be prey. Uh, it's just going to want to try to get out of your way pretty much all What the do time. you think she was seeing in this Um I mean, if it's eraser? if she startled it, uh, I'm thinking a racer, if it yeah. was a smaller black snake. Probably a black racer. Um, and they are good ratters, so and maybe I've had them bite me Kathleen. Before, yeah, but maybe. It was my fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't try to pick it up, no, Kathleen, but maybe the up. next one. Move out of its way and let it get by you. I think a good thing to think about is they're territorial in a lot of cases, and I, I've had black racers chase a tractor when I'm bush hogging. I mean, they, they, they're territorial. I mm-hmm. think he wanted you out of their area. The other thing is that some moccasins, uh, cottonmouths, will, if you're in their area, they'll come after you. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen cleaning off a ditch or pond. Yeah. Uh, they're protecting the, uh, their, their area. Site. Yeah. Right, right. And I think looking at it from you know the snake's point of view, how much bigger we are than a snake, you could see where, again, why they're kind of more afraid of us than we are of them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but and again, I think a general rule of wildlife is give them their space and let them be, watch them, but uh, keep a distance. And, and I think in most cases you'll you'll be better off that way. Uh, we continue on next. We've got Sue from Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. You're on the air. Good morning. I'd like to ask a question, but first about. Years ago, we had a, a drought that lasted almost three months, and I saw this turtle laboriously making its way across the yard. It, it crawled upon a carport and stopped right at the back door, and I thought it was a turtle looking for water because it's so drought-stricken. And mm-hmm. So I put it in a bucket, and I went down to the creek next to the house and had to go down an embankment to get down there, but I put it out next to the water. And this turtle, I was, I was laboriously making my way up the embankment to get back to the road, and I looked back, and this this little turtle was following me back up. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm wondering now, how can you tell the difference between, I realize that might have been a tortoise, not a turtle. So how can you tell the difference between a tortoise and a tortoise, you know, a turtle and a tortoise? Uh, typically, if you can get close enough, it's, uh, you, you want to look at the claws. You want to look at the feet. Uh, webbed feet is going to be an aquatic turtle or in a pond or a river. Uh, the tortoises have really large claws, no webbing at all. Um, very large front limbs to almost, they call them elephantine is, is the word I've seen used. Um, and they're, they're highly domed too. They have a, a lot of aquatic turtles are very smooth and flat because they need to be more sleek, I guess, in the water. So a tortoise is going to have a higher shell. And those big claws for digging. Um, and those back feet especially do look like a little elephant foot. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay, amazing. well, good. All right. Thanks Thank for the call, Sue. Uh, let's take one final break. When we get back, Kelly's on the line. Kelly, if you'd hold on through the break, you'll be first up with your question. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back to wrap up the show after this break. 
Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We've been talking this hour about the gopher tortoise and the black pine snake with our guest, Matt Hinderleiter of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. As promised, we're going to get to Kelly's call. Kelly, thanks for holding through the break. You're on the air, so go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Um, I got two questions. Um, First, I was wondering what would make a gopher tortoise abandon its burrow? We've got several burrows on some land we have, and I've noticed the past few months there hadn't been any activity around them. And I'm just wondering if there's, you know, if there's something in particular that, that we're doing that may have um, made them move on to another area or if that's something they would do naturally. And then my second question is, how large a territory does an individual tortoise, tortoise need? Okay. Uh, typically, just to answer the second part, um, just a couple acres is usually um, the, what we call the home range of a tortoise. Um, not very big, but within that area, a tortoise is going to use multiple burrows. So I, it's not necessarily anything you did that caused that tortoise to move. They might just be moving on their own. Um, we, when we did, we, we put little transmitters on the tortoises and tracked them around for a while. We found that typically the female tortoises would use two to three burrows every year. The males would use 10 to 15 different burrows every single year. So they move around quite a bit. And so it, you might just be within the lull of that burrow not being used. But what's really important to, to, to know is that that doesn't mean that that tortoise won't come back to that burrow. And it's a reason to not, not that you would, but um, when folks think, okay, the tortoise has left this burrow, now we can collapse it and we it's not going to need it anymore. That's, that's not accurate. The tortoise very well and probably will come back to that burrow if it's still around. Again, it's very possible it has moved on. If it was a younger male, sometimes they move around quite a bit, and it might have well, does, found a different spot does to it, if, if humans are walking around the area and maybe checking on the burrow too much, would that, would that scare them off? It's possible. Uh, it would have to have found a different place to go where maybe it wasn't coming in contact with humans as, as, as much. Um, okay. It... it it's hard to say how much that would have caused the tortoise to, to leave its burrow, but again, it, it might come back. Okay. Well, right. well, thanks. Thanks for your call, Kelly. And I hate to be negative, but one reason burrows are abandoned are if the tortoise is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, for, if for some reason somebody hurt the turtle or moved the turtle or took the turtle away, then his burrows are going to be abandoned. So uh, with, the, with the gopher tortoise, how much time is spent in the burrow versus... On, on land? Well, they spend all winter in their burrows. They basically hibernate. Um, and then once it warms up by mid-March, right around now, they'll start coming out of their burrows and foraging. Um, when it gets really hot in the summer, they don't come out very often at all. They'll come out in the morning, stay in their burrows all day, and then maybe come out at dusk just because they, uh, as a reptile, they have to thermoregulate. They don't want to overheat or you get too cold. But during the spring and the fall, you might um, they're typically in their burrows most of the time still, but they will be out and about on foraging or looking for mates, things like that, for a couple hours at a time, possibly. And uh, in terms of color, is it sort of the normal green that we would associate with, with turtles? 
The ones in Mississippi are usually gray. Uh, they they get a little more tan or brown in the eastern range over in Florida, but it's usually a mix of uh, brown to gray. Um, what about if someone owns land and maybe wanted to try to attract some uh, gopher tortoises to their property? What are some ideas or ways that they might be able to do that? Well, if they have, if they don't have really good habitat, there's lots of programs out there uh, with the Fish and Wildlife Service, with the Natural Resources Conservation Service, other agencies with the MDWFP that'll help you restore your land to uh, what the native ecosystem is. And again, if this is South Mississippi, a lot of that is the longleaf pine. Uh, so there's lots of programs that will ha- actually help you plant longleaf trees, help you burn it if you want. And those are the ways to really improve your habitat. It needs to be an open canopy, again, with plenty of light hitting the ground because, as again, as herbivores, they need to have a lot of grass available to them. So there's lots of programs out there that will help people if they want to restore their habitat to what the native ecosystem is. Uh, what about the black pine snake? Is there anything that we can do as, as average Mississippians to, to help them? Uh, the pine snake is found in almost the exact same habitat as the tortoise. Um, interestingly, they don't really utilize the tortoise burrows, although they're found in the exact same habitat. And so managing pine snake habitat is almost exactly the same as tortoise habitat, with one exception. Pine snakes are almost completely, when you track them out in the wild, they use uh, old, burned-out, or rotted-out stump holes where there used to be a, a pine tree, specifically a longleaf pine, but maybe the pine has rotted out or it's burned out. And those tunnels that are left from the root systems, that's what the pine snakes use. Hmm. So when people rip the stumps out of the ground, it destroys all that structure that the pine snakes will use. So the one difference when you're looking at how to manage for pine snakes is you don't want do what's called stumping. You don't rip the stumps out of the ground. You either cut them flat you let them burn or rot out naturally, that'll create the the habitat. And pine snakes are found in those stump holes almost 60 to 70% of the time. They're very much an underground species most of the time. All right, we've got a couple minutes left. Is there is there something we have not uh, covered that you wanted to mention? Um, I think we've pretty much covered almost everything. Uh, ways to protect them... Uh, one thing that we get calls on sometimes in our office is when somebody has a tortoise in their backyard and they might request us to come and move it for them. And I just, we need to try to get the get information out there that that's not really something we can do. We're not, we don't have the means to go out and move animals that are federally or state listed just because they might be inconvenient. Now, if the animal is in, danger, we could work with that landowner to possibly relocate it. But we work with the the state quite a bit to work with landowners who might have those types of issues. But because the tortoises have a complex social structure, if you were to just pick one up off your yard and move it, even, even if you're thinking you're putting it into an area that looks like nice habitat, that tortoise is probably going to try to just go right back to where it came from. And the problem with that is that it's probably going to have to cross roads to get back to where you are, and it has a much bigger chance of getting hit by a car. I guess the bottom line there is the tortoise knows much better than we do where it wants to go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Yeah, and unfortunately, sometimes that's its habitat gets constricted, and there's just one little spot where it's still suitable, and it's going to hang on there as long as it can. And sometimes in those cases, we might intervene, but typically, um, we got to work with what's there. All right. That is going to wrap us up for today. Uh, Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Wildlife Pub- uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funding provided in part by Wildlife Mississippi, a statewide organization celebrating more than 20 years of conserving Mississippi's lands, waters, and wildlife, and from contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener is Michelle McAdoo. So for Libby Harfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest, Matt Hinterleiter, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next to 10. It's MPB Season Pass. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.